Hello, and welcome to the Fit Cookie Nutrition Podcast. My name is Holly Samuel, and I am a registered dietitian and certified personal trainer. And my goal with this podcast is to empower you with nutrition and exercise knowledge from various health and wellness experts and everyday runners to become the best, strongest, fastest, fit cookie version of yourself that you can be. Are you ready? Hey, everybody, and welcome to today's episode where I interview Seth Baird, who you might know as a Mindful Runs on Instagram. But Seth is a lot of other things, too. He is also a husband, a dad, an athlete, uh, entrepreneur, an occupational therapist, and so many more things, which we'll learn about him today. I was really excited for Seth to come on the show because I think he has a pretty unique background with running and sports in general. And I also um, figured you guys would also find him pretty relatable. He is pretty vulnerable on today's episode and does share some of his current prognosis with a running-related injury that's going to be a pretty chronic issue for him. Um, And he talks about, you know, a little bit about his mindset around it and how he's been processing it because it is kind of a tough, tough pill to swallow. So I really hope you appreciate um, and respect his vulnerability in this show because I really Really, really appreciated him sharing that. He did not have to share that. Um, So in terms of today's episode, we kind of dive into Seth's history with running, but also um, how I know Seth was through the Charlotte running community in North Carolina. Um, Not really in person, actually. I never met Seth in person because I moved away before I got the chance to, but we met um, online through the Charlotte running community, and I write nutrition content for him on his blog, Athlos Running, which um, curates content throughout the Charlotte running community in an easily digestible way, pun intended. (laughs) And I write a lot of nutrition pieces for them. So he'll kind of talk a little bit about that during the episode. Um, So make sure you go check that out if you want to learn some stuff because he's got a really great thing going over there. Now, I really hope you guys enjoy today's episode. If you're enjoying the podcast, I'd really appreciate a five-star rating and review on your podcast player. It helps other runners just like you find the show and benefit from this information and find inspiration from stories like Seth's. Let's get into today's episode. Hi, Seth, and welcome to the Fit Cookie Nutrition Podcast. How are you? I'm great, Holly. Thanks for having me. This is great to touch base and catch up again. I know. It's so good to see you. For those of you listening, um, you know, I'm going to let Seth introduce himself in a minute, but we met kind of online while living in the same place. And then I moved far, far away. So we haven't actually got to meet in person yet, um, but one day we will. So Seth, tell everyone, you know, where you live, um, what you do and who you are and where you're from. Yes, I'm Seth Baird. I live currently in Huntersville, North Carolina, which is about 15 minutes north of Charlotte. And we're petitioning hard to bring Holly back down south with not much luck yet, but we'll see how it goes. <laughs> I work in, in Charlotte as an occupational therapist, and I work with the geriatric population. And I've been doing that since 2016. And it's been great. It's been great. I really enjoy it. Um, Spending a lot of time with people much older than me helps bring new perspective to my life on a daily basis. That is absolutely priceless. And so it's been great though. Oh my gosh. I can't, I can't imagine. And, and were you like 
affected by just like the craziness of the pandemic with the healthcare system? Like, what did that look like for the past year and a half? Yeah, so I have two primary buildings I've been working in since 2016. And when COVID hit, we got completely shut out of one of our buildings. They stopped letting anyone in or out, including family members of all the residents, non-essential staff. So it was pretty much just administrators, nursing staff, and that was it. Um, and it was sad, definitely. I mean, a lot of the residents there were greatly affected by basically isolation for that many months. Um, but the side effect is, is they were one of the best facilities in Charlotte for maintaining safe COVID numbers. I think total, we've only had three in the entire pandemic. Um, so we actually fared extremely well. And I was shipped up north about 20 minutes to another building and timing was perfect. There was a, another occupational therapist that was going out on maternity leave and I plugged in. And then when she came back, I was able to get back into my home base. So. Um, Timing-wise, it really worked out well, but it was tough, really tough. And there was a while where pretty much therapy was the only communication to the outside world for a lot of these members. So, yeah, I can't imagine that's so tough. I'm well, I'm sure they love seeing your face every day, even if it was behind a mask. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was the first question I get is, "What's it like outside? Is it cold? Is it hot? What's going on? Is traffic bad?" Just because they. Had, didn't leave the building for three months straight. Nothing. So like being in a, a great relationship. Yes. Yeah. Oh man. Well, kudos to you for doing that. Can you talk a little bit about, um, you know, just your, your running background um, and a little bit about, you know, maybe how you started and what that timeline looked like? Yeah. So I've, I mean, I've been an athlete my whole life. Um, soccer starting out um, all the way through middle school, high school, play baseball in college. And I really enjoyed running as long as it wasn't just for conditioning. Um, I had to be chasing something. I wasn't chasing, you couldn't pay me to run. Um, and so play baseball through school and all the conditioning always came very natural to me. Um, just from, I guess I must've been built up a good strong aerobic base from all the years of soccer and other sports. And so that was really kind of, I think foreshadowing something that at the time, I had no idea what was in my future. And so I played baseball throughout school. When I graduated, I transitioned into more weight training and bodybuilding. Again, anything I could possibly do to be active without running. And I would only do cardio when it came down to leading into a show back in those days, cutting weight, things like that. But, you know, nine months out of the year, I could pick up weights. I didn't even have to look at a treadmill, go for a walk around the block anything to avoid it. Um, and then it wasn't until recently, actually I guess 2018, that weightlifting led into a very bad back injury, which basically took that completely away from me. So I'm completely distraught. It was just a really challenging point because, you know, as most runners and most athletes in general, we're extremely goal-driven. And if there's something physically holding us back from working towards that goal, it really can be detrimental mentally, physically, um, really depression sat in. And fortunately it was the same time that we had our little one, Nora, who's now five years old. And so it was, that was a good pivot from bodybuilding into full-time dad mode. And so that helped get through that rough patch. And then the jogging stroller came into play 
during that time period. And that's what started spurring the running. Oh my gosh. You were pushing Nora in the stroller and that's how you started. That's amazing. Yep. Started with one, one lap around the block. And I was like, well, let's try jogging a little bit. We got a stroller with some decent tires on it. And I figured that I could do this loop really quick, get her to sleep and we're good to go. And well, one block at one time, next thing you know, she's awake. So two blocks, three blocks, and then we're jogging around the neighborhood. And at that time, she was just starting to talk. And of course, faster daddy happened to be one of the first phrases she actually said when we're running, if she's not raising her hands. And so then I started jogging a little bit with that and it just kind of spiraled from there. And I love the idea that at such a young age, she could see me being so active and that helped motivate me to continue doing it. And that really opened the door to running into the future. That's awesome. My dad always says he used to push me in the stroller when he would rollerblade. And I would, I would say the same, the same thing to him, but he's not still rollerblading. So um, I think I burnt him out, but yeah, I mean, in terms of like your background with, um, you know, sports, but then also bodybuilding and then running, um, which seems to have, you know, started kind of organically, if you weren't able to do as much lifting anymore because of your back injury. Um, like, do you feel like your relationship with running is similar or different to like your relationship with, um, bodybuilding was very similar in the sense that, you know, very goal oriented, goal driven, and it's either kind of on or off all in or not doing it at all. And so that kind of passion was an easy transition into running. And of course that meant, you know, every time I would run, especially early on, I was trying to run either further or faster every time out the door. And I would be mentally frustrated with myself, upset at times, if I didn't meet those goals. And so it was, it, it kind of carries that mindset of a lot of the training from athletic coaches and trainers from, you know, 15, 20 years ago. It's you really hold your hand over the flame as long as possible until you're exhausted, rest, come back and do it the same thing the next day. That was so ingrained in me from the bodybuilding and from the athletic background that I tried to carry that directly into running, which is good in an extent, but it wasn't the best for longevity per se or having significant improvements. And so I kind of hovered in that same plateau for about a year and a half of just pure exhaustion and, you know, depletion. Yeah. Well, it sounds like, you know, you've definitely had like the athlete mindset for your life and like the sport you were doing didn't necessarily matter. You still had like a similar approach to, you know, what you wanted to do with the sport. So with running, you know, when you kind of discovered that, you know, you can't just run faster and faster and faster every time you try to run, you know, what helped you kind of get out of that plateau and like, where are you at with running now? Like, what does it look like for you in your daily life? I would say part of me is still in that plateau. Back then it was the idea of constantly having a niggle or an injury somewhere in the body. And I interpreted it as well, the body's not ready for it yet. So you need to push harder to prepare the body to handle more stress, which is now I know not the best approach to take with running. Um, but it was filled with that from different imbalances, from blisters for the first issue I dealt with. And before that, I ran in shoes that were too small for me. It was a true novice amateur get out there and well, all I have to do is run and I should get better. And 
you know, time would tell that I was sorely wrong and part of me still learning and, you know, feeling from the effects of that early on. Yeah. I imagine too, if you still kind of have that, like, I just want to, you know, be on or off mindset, it can be hard to like intentionally pull yourself back. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's all go, all go. Um, Yeah. It it took a long time to get over that. It was probably about a year and a half of that before I really, you know, started to look at, okay, how do you actually, you know, make running an enjoyable activity? It can be a hobby. It can be goal-driven, but it can also be a hobby that you know, stop and smell the roses sometimes. You don't have to head down and ride around the block every time. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, and, and, and when you were, you know, when you were bodybuilding, you said you had an injury that kind of took you out of the sport. Um, do you mind talking a little bit about that? Like what happened and, you know, in terms of starting running where you have like just having, you know, running does cause niggles or injuries. Like, were you ever apprehensive about transitioning into a different sport from there? Yeah. So with, with bodybuilding, so I was working out two, two plus hours a day, six days a week, and usually meal prepping on top of that two hours a day, usually five days a week or so, because I would never prep ahead. It was always cooking for the next day and maybe a little bit into the day after that. And so when we actually got pregnant, I was in the midst of transitioning from bodybuilding to powerlifting. And as soon as we had Nora, the windows that were available to me were just zapped. There was no time for anything. And so I was started to tweak a lot of my workouts. Okay, well, let's go with three days a week and still meal prep. And then it was two days a week, but those two days have to be extremely heavy to get the same benefit as the other days. A lot of multi-joint movements, the deadlifts, the squats, things like that. And it was within that windows when the injury initially happened. And it was Typically with, you know, deadlifting, it's slow and controlled pulls, but I was working more of a speed session to help with powerlifting. And I had never tried it before, but me trying to cut quarters because I don't have all the time I used to have. I loaded the weight up. I stood up with it, put it down, and I couldn't get back up again. Um, I had to have someone help me out to the car, help me unload the weights, called it work the next day. And it turned out to be an annular disc tear in my lower back. And the physician I was working with at the time said it could be anywhere between six months and a year for that alone to heal, which at that point, it's like, well, there goes working out completely. Um, That was hard, hard to stomach at that time. Yeah. Yeah, And like, what did you, what'd you do to rehab that? And like, how, how have you been doing with running? Like, does that impact it at all? Rehab for that. um, He did say since I was as far as strength wise, I was in pretty good shape. Then I didn't go to heavy duty physical therapy, work with a trainer. It was pretty much cold Turkey for two weeks. I wasn't allowed to lift or do anything for two weeks. And if the pain subsided, then I could get back to some body weight stuff, but you know, of course, no weight bearing anything. Well, I waited the two weeks, still pain two months out, still pain six months after the fact, I tried doing very light body weight stuff. And I still had issues with tightness and stiffness. And so that's when I started to realize this just isn't going to work because I need an outlet. And that's when I started making the shift and doing the walk around the block with a little one in the stroller to then start to running. And the fact that I could run pain-free was amazing because I was just looking to do anything pain-free where I could just let my body just release and go for it. And running kind of filled that void then. 
smaller injuries came with running, but it was nothing serious where I needed to stop completely. And that's where it really caught on that this could be something that could be a passion, exciting, and maybe that could set some really fun goals to go after with running. In terms of like, you know, I mean, you started running kind of with, with Nora and it was uh, almost like a functional activity that you guys could do together. And that also wasn't pain-free. Like, did you ever picture yourself getting into like endurance sports? Is that something you would have thought like when you were weightlifting or like an athlete growing up, or is that something that you've kind of had to help yourself identify as, as you got more into it? Oh, goodness. No, I I never (laughs) pitched myself as an endurance athlete. Um, Actually, when I was in middle school and my close friends, their father was the local high school's track and cross-country coach. So most of my summers I spent with them. I had to run at the Eno, which is a state park in Durham. And I remember I would dread having to get up with them and run with the team. And so at that point, I swore off. I was like, I'm never going to run just to run. Um, But it's funny how it really comes full circle. And not only do I enjoy running, I'm able to set those goals and see progress, but it's such a naturalistic part of human nature to be able to move and run. And I'm realizing how deep that connection is now that I'm a little bit older and how it's so simple, but can be so rewarding. And that's what I really love about running. Yeah. And you're like a a part of the running community now and a contributor there, which we'll get into in in a bit for sure. So it's fun. I I agree. I also did not see myself being a runner and here we are on my running podcast talking about running. So um, it's kind of a funny small circle thing, but in terms of like um, I'm curious too. I I've talked to a lot of um, like clients or just people who have been female um, like bodybuilders in the past. And then, you know, um, kind of gone down the path of endurance sports later, or maybe even vice versa. Um, I haven't talked to many, you know, male males who have a history of bodybuilding. Um, I mean, did you find like, what was your, what was your relationship with your body image? Like when you were doing that? And do you find that's changed at all with running? Can you just, just tell me a little bit more about like, you know, um, like what your mindset was like around that? Cause I'm, I'm curious to hear your perspective. Body image has always been a weird topic and hard for me to really explore. Um, I mean, I, I, I was one of those, I guess you could say gifted genetically as a young child. I mean, even in high school, like, oh goodness, he has a six pack, but I hated the attention. I would go to the beach with a shirt on. Um, I just didn't like being the spotlight at all. I didn't care what the reason was. And so when I was in school, we had a lot of presentations and get up for public speaking. And the more I did that, I got more comfortable. And so bodybuilding became kind of this big, you know, cliff to climb, get up there, jump off the edge, just swim deep with it because you are completely vulnerable on that stage and you're purely it's just you're being so subjectively judged and you have no idea what they're looking for and so it's allowing someone else to scrutinize every inch and piece of your body it's such a you know kind of humbling experience but then also after the first show I then started to look at myself more in the mirror, start to look at the areas. They said, you have a weakness here, weakness there. You need to build this up if you want to get to that next level. And then I found myself more consumed with the imagery. Um, You know, I purchased my first full door length mirror 
after my first show. And it's something that I never concerned myself with before, but all of a sudden now I'm like, well, if I'm going to do this, I need to make sure I look right from every angle. And then that transition to not every angle, you know, in underwear, but in clothes, how are clothes fitting? How does that look on you? And so it slowly started to consume. And I don't think I realized it at the time that that was happening, but even to this day, if you catch that right lighting in the bathroom, whoever it may be, you know, you might get a picture or two. You turn and do a little pose. Do I still have it? Nowadays, I look in the mirror and, ooh, maybe I don't have it. Well, maybe I got it a little bit. It's, it's such a mental, you know, just kind of a mental, I don't even know how you would put it, but it's, it was a lot to go through that process. And then taking that to running, it almost felt more freeing because bodybuilding I peaked out at about 250 pounds at about six percent body fat now I walk around at 155 pounds somewhere around that same percentage wise clothes fit me way better now I can actually buy stuff and I have to get it altered out of six suits that I have five were purchased when I was bodybuilding I can't wear any of those I only have one which is my wedding I can still wear that one so it's, it's so, so much more freeing now that I'm not consumed by that lifestyle. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. I think that's, I think it's such an interesting sport because it is, like you said, you know, you're on a stage, you are totally vulnerable and exposed and they are judging you for what you look like, you know, in some regard. So, um, I mean, I just think it's an interesting sport for people to have like, um, experience with because it's quite, it can be quite, you know, um, a, a journey for, for body image to go through something like that. And then to your credit too, you know, if you're coming out of the sport and then your body changes, you know, again, because, you know, you're not maybe forcing the two a day lifts or you're doing different activities and it kind of morphs into, you know, um, to, to look like, you know, be consistent with whatever you're doing. That's maybe a bit more, natural, or I don't want to say like less extreme because you can definitely get extreme with running if you want to, but you know, it's kind of, it kind of helps you, um, you know, look a different way. So, I mean, coming out of it, like you said, and, you know, losing weight and having a similar, you know, body fat percentage, but still not being able to fit into your clothes and kind of going through that, um, you know, what was that like for you just going into running and, um, you know, do you have any thoughts on like that subject at all? I do, but it mostly comes from a dietary standpoint. Mm -hmm. um, when I was bodybuilding, I was eating, you know, 38 plus 100 calories a day, multiple mm -hmm. six meals a day. Um, sometimes I make up middle of the night when we get that extra, you know, calorie or extra shake in. And so when I transitioned to running, I've always struggled with eating. My mother still reminds me to this day that we used to have, I mean, it was awful arguments because she wanted me to sit down and eat a meal before I went outside and played. Food was the last thing in my mind. So when I stopped bodybuilding, I stopped eating. Not because I wasn't hungry, but it's such a, what am I eating for? If I'm not competing in bodybuilding, why am I eating? And when I started running, I still had that bodybuilding mindset thinking that all those calories were good for bodybuilding, but runners are lean. Runners are small based off, you know, the stereotypical runner that I'd only been around or heard about, you know, in the what 90s and early 2000s. And so the idea of eating to run didn't make sense to me at all. And I don't know if it didn't make sense in the moment, but it was something that just didn't come to thought. And so I would actually eat, I would stop at McDonald's, get two quarter pounders, 
and an apple pie and go right into a workout session and have the best lift of my life. Running, I know I need to eat, but it's, it, it didn't translate well because you can't do that and just go out and run five miles. And so that's when it was just like, it was a very hard transition and I'm still learning how to fuel properly. Um, I still haven't run a race where I've actually fueled it to what my body needs. And so that's been a hard learning curve. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I think, um, I think that's a really interesting point that I talk about, you know, often on this podcast is, you know, sports all require us to do different things. And, you know, if you are, um, competing, you know, in a very like aesthetic based sport, you know, if you're a bodybuilder, you know, you're being more judged on the appearance rather than the capability. Whereas with powerlifting, where you are transitioning, you know, it's totally, it's totally different. So, um, you know, the food that kind of goes with that for recommendations, it's, it's different than what would be recommended for like sports nutrition, performance nutrition. Um, and to your credit too, just like you said, you know, you can't just go to McDonald's and order whatever you want off the menu and then go run five miles. I mean, maybe some people can, but I know for most of us, we'd probably end up with some GI issues <laughs> during that run. So it's more of a, of a function. So that's, that's super interesting. And I bet some of the mindset is difficult to like unlearn and then kind of relearn, you know, the specifics that go with running nutrition too. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a very hard transition. And to be honest, I attempted a couple times early on having those same pre-workout gym meals before I ran. And it was absolutely awful. The amount of GI distress, heartburn, reflux to the point where I'm just going to walk like this is ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. And Anora's like faster daddy. And you're like, I'm yeah. going to throw up. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. Which is confusing. Cause like it used to work great for your lifts, but then for runs, it's like, ah, that doesn't work anymore. So yeah. I mean, like when it comes to, um, you know, you talked a little bit about when you started running, you were maybe doing all of your runs a little too fast to actually, you know, kind of achieve, uh, that longevity. And now you feel like you're kind of coming out of that plateau. So like what changed, like where, where, like, did you get like coaching or guidance or did you have, um, some intervention somewhere where you started learning more about like, um, you know, running, uh, training like schedules and also maybe the nutrition piece as well. Any resources that you had? I, I made the choice to go to one-on-one -on -one coaching, um, with some training in my background, as far as personal training, I always feel like the one-on-one -on -one at least for me, is the best case scenario because I can really get into the details and be completely honest of what I did that I think I did right and what I did that was probably wrong. And that transition to a coach, it was one of the first things we talked about was, okay, well, what are you eating? What are you drinking? I would try to get through a 10-mile run in July on just water alone. And so it's, you know, I had constant, severe, severe cramping, GI distress, that it would take, I would run, you know, eight to 10 miles. My wife would know that I would need two to potentially three hours to recover after that run before we did anything the rest of the day. And I still wouldn't touch any food because it was so, everything was so bent out of shape internally. And so one of the first things the coach I was working at the time said was, well, have you tried drinking a Gatorade? Like, you know, a little bit into a run. And I was like, well, no, I usually, I'll drink some of that after, but I won't do that during. And so he was great about asking the right questions to help me realize how poorly I was fueling myself and how it didn't make sense if I expected to complete this distance on an empty tank 
it's not going to happen. And so that one-on-one coaching, that's what started the wheels turning. Yeah. Cause like you said, you just, you don't know what you don't know when it comes to, to that. And when you first started running and making some of those running related goals, like um, I guess what was the most appealing to you at first? Was it running a certain distance? Was it speed? Like kind of what goals did you start to set along the way? And then also tell us where you're at now. Like, what are you, what are you training for right now? Yeah. The first one was speed and that's still, that one's been quieted a little bit as of recent, but the first one was always speed. You know, how fast can we do that 5k? And you know, after doing a couple, but I was only doing the Thanksgiving Turkey Trot 5K. So I had a year. So I was like, oh, well, I can plug in some more races around that to work towards that. So it was a half marathon. And then after completing my first half marathon, the idea of running a long distance sounds really freaking cool. Mm-hmm. And so that's when I decided that, you know, you should do just at least one marathon. Like this, I think they still say that, what is it? Only 3% of the population has actually completed a marathon distance which it puts you in rare air already just by completing it. Who cares how you did? And so after completing the first one, that's when I started to think of, oh, I think a sub three hour marathon would be really fun to do. And we threw all our cards at it this past spring and still battling injury, which we'll probably go into a little bit more in a moment. Um, we expected me to be able to be do a three hour, 14 minute. And I was able to pull out a three hour and three minute marathon but again, the nutrition snuck up. I took two salt tablets halfway through the marathon and expected to be able to finish in good shape. It took me a day after that to recover. From like, you know, I don't think I'm ever going to be a runner to, I think a sub three hour marathon would be a fun thing to do. <laughs> Just that sentence is like, oh my gosh, what a, what a transition. Um, well, yeah, I can imagine if you're able to pull off a 303 with two salt tablets, then yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of potential there once you're feeling properly. So yeah, I mean, you know, kind of what did it look like after that? Like, you know, how did you transition into doing more of like the endurance and, um, you know, what challenges have you faced kind of since you, you started doing those distances? Well, that was an awful race to recover from. It took a long time (laughs) to, and that was the first time I jitters, lightheadedness, dizziness. Um, and my, my mother came down to visit with me and she was like, I can stay the night with you. And I was like, no, I think I'll be okay. And she refused, you know, to let me stay the night. Cause it was just, I was that wrecked. And that opened the door. I was like, okay, well, physically you can push your body to unbelievable, um, through, un- through unbelievable strain and way beyond me thought I could do it your body can get there, but what happens if you fuel it properly to get there? And so after that marathon, I realized that, okay, let's really bite down on this nutrition aspect and see what would happen if we fuel the body appropriately. At that point, I'm still so oriented. The marathon was out of my, out of my immediate vision. And I was thinking the longer distances, the 50 Ks ultras, because then you're able to back off that speed. And then it's really more about are you feeling appropriately to cover the full distance? So I'm going really out of my comfort zone to do that. I thought it would be a perfect way to plug in and get that mind shift if we needed to perform adequately based off proper fueling. Um, and so, yeah, we did 150K last year and that was an experience in itself. Uh, we got through it. It hurt a lot. And we have another 50K coming up this year. And now the issue is not so much the fueling. Um, 
but it's, is my body going to be able to hold up to complete the race, unfortunately. Gotcha. And that's, isn't that coming up? I, we're recording this mid-October. Isn't that like this month? Yep. Two weeks. Wow. Two weeks. So yeah. Tell us like what, what's going on with your body? Like what challenges have you faced where you're feeling like it's not holding up and what have you kind of been working on to help with that? So the past marathon, I've had a history of pain in both hips dating back to probably middle school at this point. We didn't, it didn't happen frequent enough back then to take me out of play or go see a specific specialist and most often than not, it was kind of, well, growing pains, middle school, high school, you're still going through all that. And I had my first imagery done last December. And they said that I had significant arthritis in my right hip and moderate arthritis in my left hip. And so this was before the spring marathon, the three or three, which was, I was so happy to be able to complete that. But my mindset at the time was marathon 50 K 50 mile or let's go for a hundred. Let's do something exciting. We're now to the point that if we get to the 50 K, it'll be a miracle almost. Um, last imaging done about three months ago, puts me near bone on bone on my right hip and pretty moderately. So after this last marathon in so I haven't talked out loud a whole lot about it I've typed it some yeah no it's Um, hard to process I'm sure I appreciate you sharing yeah so the pain's definitely gotten worse um I do have a cane at home that I use if I sit for too long it takes a long time to stand up um I've had one cortisone injection uh, about a month ago that didn't give any relief. And you know, the over-the-counter, the Celebrex, Meloxicam, Tylenol arthritis, all that fun stuff has done some to help the symptoms, but it's pretty much, I'm pain nonstop. I, sleeping, I have pain at night, I take a comfortable night. And so I made the transition to a new coach um, Stephanie Flippin, who I follow for a long time. She's an amazing athlete and also an orthopedic um, surgeon as well, both her and her husband. And so I knew that if I wanted to build just now to the point, I just want to complete one more race. And having her help transition this with this transition, it's been amazing because I get more insight into cortisone injections. How do they work? You know, what are the possible repercussions from having those done? Um, The idea of stem cell therapy is out there. And so I have a great team around me. And so I think just the idea of being able to completing one more race before we back away from it, that's, that's where the goal is right now. Time, speed is completely out the window. Yeah. And well, and I mean, Stephanie, gosh, what a great, what a great person to have in your corner, just given the whole, the whole picture. Um, Yeah. And I mean, when you, when you talk about, you know, this particular, like, you know, I don't know if injury is even the right word. It's, it's a circumstance, um, you know, with your, with your health, like, you know, is this something that you had ever kind of dealt with in the past? Like, did your, did your injury with weightlifting feel like this, or does this feel different to you? It's, 
the sharp pain has kind of always been there throughout, but it's been very sporadic where I could go, you know, maybe even a month without feeling it. When it grabs, it feels like there's a knife kind of twisting in your hip. Um, and with lifting, I think it did hurt it because a lot of bodybuilding is squatting, squatting low, get in the bucket, get out of the bucket. And so I know for a fact that that's some impact on it. Um, but also the head of the femur is shaped like a cone on both hips, not round. And so the doctors say that it's probably just, you know, an anomaly. Some people just structure different. And so, apologize, I've got a question. No, no, I know you answered it. I mean, I, I think you're describing a little bit like what it physically has felt like in the past, but I mean, like, I'm, I meant more like too emotionally, I mean, going through something that, you know, is, is physically, you know, hindering to you in any way or, or mentally hindering to you in any way is, is super emotional. So like, you know, when you kind of transitioned out of, um, you know, bodybuilding or powerlifting, and you had like an injury that was kind of like a catalyst for that to happen. And I'm not saying necessarily that you're transitioning out of a sport right now, but you have an injury that is, you know, hindering you in some way from doing what you want to do in the sport. I mean, does it feel like similar to what it felt like, you know, emotionally, um, kind of back when that was first happening? Like when it was the beginning, the injury was just starting up as far as the symptoms presenting themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, like emotionally, like, do you feel, do you feel like this is, you know, different in any way, or are you just trying to focus on like getting through this race and then kind of seeing what your, what your, what your options are, what your, what your plan is for after? I think this is, it's, it's just as hard. Um, bodybuilding kind of fell in my lap. Um, it just was like, Oh, you seem to be good at this. Why don't you give it a shot? I needed a, and an outlet. And so it was an easy kind of plug and play. Let's run with this for as long as we can. Um, and when that came to an end, it was hard, but not necessarily like I was losing a part of me at the time because I wasn't initially super invested in it. Running has been kind of a growing process where I've fallen in love with it over the last four years, slowly and I've really decided that this is something I want to do, not only for me, for my daughter, my blood pressure is significantly lower now than it ever was with bodybuilding. And so it seemed like this was the path to longevity. And this has been much harder to stomach because it seems like it's such a simple activity. Why is the body not cooperating to allow me to do this, even if it's just at a slow rate? And so then also thinking about what would the next step be? What kind of a placeholder could take this, you know, that I found so much love for in the past few years. And cycling does come up as an option, which I am excited about, but it's hard when you just fall in love with something to then have it taken away. And then don't worry, you can just do cycling. It's like, it's not that easy to make that mindset shift. And so diving into this last race, it's for one, wanting to complete the distance. Um, I have had some insight from my family that say they don't want me to race. They don't want me to run anymore, at least until this is cleared up. And so that's been another struggle um, to kind of navigate, but they also know how much I enjoy this. And the community I've met through running is by far the closest community I've ever been a part of in my entire life. Um, and so that's 
the hardest thing is how to stay plugged into that network if we're not doing it. And I actually took my daughter to a first race um, spectated and it was so much fun watching her reaction, cheering the runners coming in. It felt better than the first time I completed a half marathon. The first time I completed a marathon, just seeing her excitement, it's like almost like we planted the seed and the job's done. Now, how do we nourish it and grow it, even if we can't be physically a part of it? And so that's where the shift is starting now. So there is a bright side to it. Oh, that's awesome. I, I'm sure that was really fun to watch her her reaction. Um, and she's probably telling all of them to go faster. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I thank you so much for sharing all of that. I know that's really tough. That's tough to navigate and, and process. I, and like you said too, the, the running community is so great and it's, it's close knit and you don't want to leave it. And the other thing about it is a lot of runners do get injured. <laughs> so, you know, I'm sure a lot of people listening, you know, are relating to this super hard where, you know, it's just, it's unknown, you know, you don't really know what the prognosis is like you know, you love to do it, but is it the best for you? And it, it sounds like, you know, just with your mindset from past sports and current sports as well, um, that, you know, you seem to thrive really well when you can kind of dive all into something and it's not necessarily, um, you know, it's not necessarily as appealing for you to do like a couple of different things. I don't know. Do you think like doing a little bit of running, doing a little bit of weightlifting, doing a little bit of cycling. Is that ever something that would be appealing to you? Or do you feel like you have to have like a sport um, to have goals with? I have thought about that. And it's, it is hard with such a strong background and a, you know, goal oriented task completion mindset. Um, And it's also kind of a subset of the culture. I think we're brought up in Um, societal standards are what does success mean to complete goals, to set a goal, to finish it, shoot high. And it's, I think the idea of where that landing spot is, as society is on that pedestal, on that platform. And now I'm realizing that, no, that ending goal could be many different things. And going through this process has helped open my eyes to the possibilities, um, not only from what's open to me, but moving forward, it's like, there's so many different ways to get involved with something that you love, um, even if you're not able to participate in it. And so that's really helped fueled this next chapter. And I'm really, really excited. Yeah. Yeah. And that's always something that I've thought about too, just, you know, to, to relate to you a little bit, like, you know, I, I help runners with their nutrition. I help runners with their, this, you know, that's kind of who I serve in my, in my podcast, you know, in my practice. So I always think too, you know, even if it's like a short-term injury where I'm sad that I can't run for a few weeks, but I know that it's going to be okay eventually. But I always wonder too, you know, if I'm not into it anymore for whatever reason, you know, never say never. I never thought I'd be a runner. So here I am. Who's to say what's to come next? Um, You know, I always thought too, oh man, I really like this community though. Like how would that look kind of transitioning maybe out of the sport at the level that I used to, you know, compete at, um, you know, and into just a different place. And that's something that I've kind of done too with, with equestrian sports, with riding is I'm, you know, I'm not really, I haven't ridden a horse in a year, which is crazy. That's also something I never thought I'd say. Um, and you know, it's just really interesting how I've still stayed connected with part of the equestrian community without, taking part in it as heavily as I used to, you know, it's to the point where if I needed a horse to ride, I'd have several volunteers, you know, volunteering their horses for me to ride. 
um, you know, some of my clients are attracted to me because they used to be horseback riders as well. And now they're into running. So they, they relate to me. So it is really interesting how it works out and you've, you've put so much, you know, value into this community as well, which I definitely want to talk about. Um, so I'm, I'm sure that, you know, you will, you will have a hard time getting rid of us, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, if it's something that you can't do at the same level. Yeah, no, no, I, I enjoy every bit of it. And I mean, like you said, it's always one of those things where you find a hobby and a passion and say one day you wake up in that hobby, you aren't able to participate. How can you still integrate into that activity, whatever it may be? And I think that's really how we need to look at a lot of aspects of our life in general. And so, but running is sure a big joy and it brings joy to many, many people as it has for me for so long now. And so anything to help people stay motivated in it, it's and connected. It's important to me. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I definitely, I want to take that transition um, and, and talk about, you know, the, the way that you've integrated yourself in the running community. So, you know, how did you essentially like make the bridge between running being like a hobby, like a, a thing that you did to stay fit and keep your brain happy <laughs> um, into essentially reaching out into the running community and tell us about Athlos running as well. Yeah. Athlos running, it's kind of came up out of the blue. I mean, when I started running, I spent hours scouring the web, which you think I would have approach running better if I did all this research, but I did do all this research. I would just read articles and over time, articles started getting more chopped up with ads or paid platforms. It started getting more and more busy. Fortunately, I was deep into running enough where I was beyond that initial amateur beginner phase, really getting into it. I was already, I was already in the water. Um, but I thought I always love being able to help people. And I think information is so powerful when you have it at your fingertips. And it's an issue that it's not just in running, it's in many different sectors of our community, but to have consolidated, easily digestible information to help people pursue such a simple part of human nature. I was like, this is important. And it was hard to see so many things getting cluttered up. And so that's when I decided, well, let's start typing. Let's start putting information together, talking with friends and create a platform that's very open, inclusive, and just talks running just the facts without the clutter. And that was Athos Running. And the Charlotte running community is kind of what spurred that for me because the longer you run, the closer people get as far as distance wise. And I, the longer the races I did, I realized I was seeing the same faces and the questions were so genuine. They were pulling me in. And next thing you know, I'm pulling other people in. Like, no, no, you, you need to be a part of this. And so Athlos Running was an idea. How can I get all these people that I've spoken with and that have helped me over the years consolidated to do something to help other people get to where, you know, reach further goals? And that's Athlos Running. Hey, everybody, I wanted to take a minute to hear a word from our sponsor, which is Koros. Koros Wearables makes GPS watches that help athletes train to be their best. And they use top-of-the-line hardware with innovative technology to provide endurance athletes with the gear that they need to achieve their goals. When you use a Koros product, you know you're getting a tool that has been designed, tested, and perfected for the athlete 
by the athlete. And their roster of professional athletes that use their products is quite impressive. Have you heard of Elliot Kipchoge, Emma Bates, Des Linden? I mean, if it's good enough for them, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Koro's watches allow you to create your own personalized workouts. They allow you to implement your training plan for running, cycling, swimming, and even a strength or core workout at the gym. If you need an extra reminder to properly fuel during your workout, Koros has you covered with the customizable nutrition alerts. So you can basically just have me poke you every 30 to 50 minutes to remind you to take your fuel on the run, which is pretty cool. Koros users have set world records and been to the highest point on earth, pushing their products to the extremes. And at Koros, creation and innovation is never ending. So you know, if you are wearing a Kuros watch, you know that you are going to be the focus as the user. So if you want to be part of the Kuros community, by you can follow Kuros Global on Facebook or Instagram, or you can ho- head over to the link in my show notes to view some of their various products. I personally have the Kuros Apex, which I love. I've had it for gosh, probably almost a year now. And it's so easy to use. The interface is so pretty. The app is awesome and very easy to use and understand. And I totally love my watch. So I hope you head over to the link in the show notes to check out Coros Global. Now let's get back to today's episode. Um, Yeah, so I mean, I think I think it's it's grown even more, you know, since I I kind of first was um, you know, learning about it when you kind of approached me with, with the blog. Um, I don't even know, six, seven months ago, it's time flies, but, um, yeah. So, I mean, in terms of like the content you're looking to provide and, you know, your goals with Athlos, can you tell us a little bit about, um, you know, just like where you see it going in the future and, you know, um, what goals you have for the platform? Well, first of all, I have to thank you tremendously for being part of (laughs) Athlos running. Um, you know, of course, we had come across each other numerous times in running circles, and I really, you felt right. The fit, everything I heard about you, and the knowledge and all the content you deliver is absolutely amazing, which, of course, all your listeners know. And between that and my chiropractor, who was working on my hip, who has been working on my hip for over a year now to keep me moving, phenomenal. Dr. Sophie with United Sports, she's family now, her inner wife. And, you know, it's such a small group between Ruben, between Lisa, it's, it's like a family, but our all, the goal is all the same to really, how can we help people? Yeah, with all my hip issues, Dr. Sophie with United Sports and her wife, she's been with me for over a year now, helping me stay mobile and moving to the best of my ability. Uh, between Ruben, two doors down, who 54 years old, 47 years old, I butchered that, so let's... 39 years old, 39 years old. We'll take anyway, he's an amazing inspiration because he's at a point where most people think they're over the hill as far as running and he's continuing to get better and faster. And so with all of our mindsets and our energy and our joy of running and helping other people, it at those running just seems like a perfect fit to be able to share, get information out there, reach as many people as we can at, you know, easily accessible information. Yeah. Yeah, no, and I I I thank you for what you're doing cuz I love I love providing content like that um, you know, in in that way on that platform just kind of this is this is the summary of the research and this is a way that makes it easier to understand and apply to yourself um and it's all coming from 
I mean, I'm biased. I think, I think I provide good information and that is credible, but you know, the other people who contribute to it as well, um, you know, you know, it's coming from a credible source, which is, I, I love that that was important to you. Um, yeah. And I mean, in terms of like, you know, where, where can people find you, where can people find Athlos and, um, where would be the best like place for them to do that? Me, the easiest place is probably Instagram, mindful runs with a Z, Athlos running, also Instagram. And you can feel free to email athlosrunning at gmail.com. If you have any topics that you all would like us to explore more in depth or summarize, or we actually had a recent person email us just the other day about concerns about how apps can be tracked when they're out and running. And technology changes so fast. So it's a topic that we will be exploring, you know, for the coming new year, um, how to be safe when you're running. So we're very, very available and we love ideas and um, we, we have a clear direction where we're going, but, you know, we're accommodating and we want to really make sure we reach all venues, all people, all walks of life. And that's why our core group is so diverse. Yeah, I, I love it. It's it's. I'm really honored to be a part of the community that you've pulled together. It's it's really cool, and I hope people go check it out because they'll learn a lot <laughs> when they read what's on there. Um, well, thank you so much for for all you've you've talked about today and shared with us. If you had just a message to our audience about running in general, what would it be? I don't know if I could do one specifically running, but about life in general, make sure you smile while you still have teeth. <laughs> wow. That is awesome. I, I have not heard that before. I love that. Um, I want to like write that on my mirror <laughs> every morning. Um, well, I appreciate that. And is there anything else you want to add before we finish with our end of the podcast question? I don't think so. It's, it's been great. Holly, I really enjoyed talking to you and you've taught me a lot over the years, um, just about running nutrition and things like that. And so I'm looking forward to the future and we're going to get through this last race and then the future is wide open. The future is wide open and we're going to take more than two salt pills for this one. Um, <laughs> it's going to go yeah. great. <laughs> that alone should help it feel a little bit better. <laughs> um, yes. yeah, well, I'm excited to hear your answer to this. So in terms of end of the podcast question, so you are approaching the finish line of your dream race. It went perfectly as planned, unicorn kind of race day, one of a kind. What song would be playing at the finish line to embody how you're feeling in that moment? Panic at the disco. Hey, look, Ma, I made it. That's a great answer. That's a really great answer. Oh man. I'm sure your mother would appreciate that too. <laughs> yes. And she will be at that finish line. That's awesome. Well, I appreciate it. I'm going to add that one to my playlist for sure. And think of you when it plays and thanks for coming on the show. Awesome. Thanks, Holly. See ya. Seth, thank you so much for coming on the Fit Cookie Nutrition Podcast. Just as an update, since we are releasing this episode after Seth's uh, goal 50K that we discuss in the show, Seth did actually end up dropping out of the race early, um, which he felt was the smartest decision for his health and is now on his journey to recovery. And while that may not be the tie it in a bow and ship it kind of ending that I know a lot of us um, like to hear, you know, where someone maybe 
makes a tough decision um, or it all works out, I really think it's important to share stories like these because he made the right decision for his health and we all are responsible for making the right decisions for our health so that, you know, we have longevity in this thing called life as active individuals. And I am really excited to see what is in store for him as an athlete, because we know that that athlete mentality doesn't go away, even if you have to take time off from a sport. So Seth, we really wish you all the best moving forward. If you guys are looking for extra support in your nutrition and running journeys, I invite you to head over to the link in the show notes where you can apply for my Strong Runner Academy group coaching program. My next group is going to be kicking off in January and there are limited spots available. So if that is something that you are interested in learning more about, head over to the link in the show notes and you can check that out in addition to some of my other services as well. I hope you guys are closing out your year on a high note, and I wish you all the best in this new year moving forward. And I just want to take a minute to thank you so much um, for all of your support in my small business over here at Fit Cookie Nutrition and for the podcast in the past several months. It's been truly inspiring. I love what I do, and I love that I get to show up here every day, um, maybe not you know, with an episode, but <laughs> in my business and help you guys out. So until next time, I'll see you next year, and happy running. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 